Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... What's the point of it? He says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled, all the energy I expanded to get all of this stuff. And he says, Indeed, or some versions say, Behold, I looked, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit. Some versions say, There was nothing to be gained under the sun. On just the plane of earth, I got it all. And I realized, it really wasn't so great. King Solomon was a pretty disillusioned guy. Although he was both wise and powerful, Solomon found that all his pursuits for pleasure left him worse off than when he began. In today's message with Pastor Jim, we'll stop and consider the many entitlements we enjoy as Christians in the light of his testimony. Although we may not be as wealthy as the King of Israel, we can suffer from a profound emptiness of the heart. We must never prefer to become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, What Happens When You Get Everything You Want? We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. He was a brilliant businessman. We've already encountered that in his trade that he was doing with other nations. He was a skillful politician, and if he couldn't make money as a businessman, what do the politicians do? Just raise the taxes, right? And so uh, that's what he did. Yet very interesting, in somewhat of our generation, Lennon and McCartney told Solomon something he already knew, that money can't buy me love. No matter how much money he had, Solomon realized that he couldn't buy the love of God. But he tells us here, it can't buy you love, but it can buy you a band. And that's what King Solomon did. We take it for granted how music, uh, you know, everybody's walking around with headphones on all the time, right? And uh, boy, Pam and I were at a railroad crossing uh, Friday night. We were going to watch, uh, Tim had an evening lacrosse game, and we were at this railroad crossing where people were coming off the train, and everybody's wearing headsets, and boy, did they look miserable. I was like, man, look at those people, right? But we, so we take music for granted. You get in your car, turn it on, whatever, whatever you want to do. But in the ancient world, music was very rare. It was very rare. You, could, you couldn't, they didn't have headphones. They didn't have any way to do it, okay? They didn't, they didn't have that. So what it, so, and, and if you wanted to hear music, maybe you could have it in your house, but primarily you had to go somewhere and hear a band. And Solomon's like, hey, at my party, I'm gonna have music all the time. So Lennon and McCartney says, money can't buy you a band, but Solomon said, well, <laughs> listen, Lennon and McCartney, I can buy you, Solomon would say, I can buy you. And you know that today, Beatles, still number one, of all albums ever sold. In fact, Solomon might have went out and bought number three. Anybody know who number three is? Elvis, right? Come on, come on down, Solomon would say. I want you, you know, I want you to sing, sing to me. Anybody know who number two is? I don't know if Solomon would have bought him. Garth Brooks. Can you believe it? Garth Brooks. I won't say if it ain't country, it ain't music, because that's not true. How about you say, well, you young people are like, no, I don't, we don't, those are back in the day bands. We don't, we don't do that. We're digital people. We're digital people. Okay, number two. Anybody know number two is? Katy Perry. 
And number one, drum roll please. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. So with great wealth, great parties, great band, right, came the temptation of women. Last night I was flicking through the channels and there was this guy singing on the stage and uh, he was profane. I won't be profane, but, but I'm like, that dude looks familiar and he looks bad. It was Rick Springfield <laughs> and he's still touring around and they're like, what's the difference between now, touring now and when you were touring back in the day? He goes, well, I get less women. I'm like, really? That was deep. <laughs> okay. So, so, so the, but the temptation of women, I was like, dude, you look like the walking dead. You should be on TV Sunday night, man. But what happens is the temptation of women was real for Solomon. So the stats for Solomon are staggering, staggering. First Kings chapter 11, 700 wives. Yeah, that's true. That's 700 mothers-in-laws. That's a lot. <laughs> and 300 concubine. Those are the girlfriends on the side. They come without mothers-in-law usually. It's probably like, I can't take any more mother-in-laws. Just girlfriends from now on for me. You've heard of living like a king? You've heard of a life of wine, women, and song? Well, man, this is, this is Solomon, man. Solomon would have to have his own network. Forget about his own show, right? I mean, it would be the Wives of Jerusalem network and, and just show after show after show with this guy's crazy, crazy life and all these women. And Solomon was what has sadly become a, almost an accepted thing in our society. Solomon was a sex addict. He was a sex addict. And our culture worships at the altar of sexual idolatry. And if that's your identity, please understand, that is an identity that will be short-lived. That one can only last for so long. And you will find that it's vanity, that it's empty. And many people like Solomon, in their sexual chasing, in their sexual conquest, in, in, in buying into the, the idea of a sexual identity and nothing else, many people like Solomon have lost their souls. And sadly, when you lose your soul, you lose God. So after all this, King Solomon tells us what happens when you get everything you want. What happens when you get everything you want? Look at verse nine. He said, so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem also, my wisdom remained with me. Now he's trying to say, listen, listen, I, I, I got everything. I went out and chased it all, but I still kept my head about me. Uh, jury's out on that one. I don't know if that's, if that's true or not. You go, well, it's in the Bible. It has to be true. No, that's what he's saying. It's true that he said it. Verse 10, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Basically, whatever I saw, I wanted. I did not withhold from my heart any pleasures. Basically, whatever I wanted in my heart, I got it. If he couldn't take it, he bought it. If he couldn't buy it, he took it. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Does that sound like entitlement? I worked hard, so I deserve this. Verse 11, then I looked. Maybe we're meant to pause there. He looked over everything he had. One of days, maybe one of those wild parties and looking out over his kingdom and thinking like, oh gosh, Look at all the chicks and look at all the, all the, the gardens and all the wines flowing and I got to meet with those business guys over there and there's some kings from other countries and he's just looking out and he's just, he's just pondering it all. He's actually facing the facts. This is what I've given my life to. And what was the point of it? 
He says, then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled, all the energy I expanded to get all of this stuff. And he says, indeed, or some versions say, behold, I looked, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit. Some versions say there was nothing to be gained under the sun. On just the plane of earth, I got it all. And I realized it really wasn't so great. So if you were interviewing him and you said, hey, uh, what did you gain from, from seeking and getting everything you wanted? He would tell you, nothing really. I didn't really gain much of anything. Well, you're satisfied. He probably would say, well, at first I thought I was. But each morning I got up and I was empty and I had to go out again and get more. And then I got up the next morning and I was empty and I had to go out and get more. He might tell us that actually materialism, excessive entertainment and amusement, spending my whole life on accomplishment and then turning to hedonism actually left him worse off than when he first started. Perhaps he had fallen into thinking like many of us do, because I, because I work so hard, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. I work so hard today, so I'm, in, I'm entitled for that glass of wine or that beer or that several glasses of wine or that several beers to the point in time where, where it's no longer joy, it's become something different. Now, some of you say, well, I don't drink. I don't have to worry about that. Well, but there's other entitlements, right? You know, you come home and, and the, the ice cream in the freezer is calling your name. <laughs> All the different things we do and say, I'll, I'll do better tomorrow, but I'm entitled to this because I, I work so hard. I'm not talking about enjoyment. I'm talking about feeling that you're owed something. What Solomon is missing that his soul is in trouble, that he is suffering from a profound emptiness of his heart. And the more he pours into it, the emptier it's actually getting. The Apostle Paul in his last epistle, his last letter said this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 4. He said, listen, in the last days, and the last days in the Bible are the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. He says, in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. King Solomon would say amen to that. He say, he'll tell us you won't be satisfied if you're foolishly trying to find satisfaction in an unsatisfying world apart from God. And you know, that's a, that's a message for people who believe in Jesus and people who don't. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm really glad that you're here. Because whether we're Christian or not, I think we we have to understand that we look at the world through the eyes of the culture in which we live. We're so infected with it that we don't even see it. Jesus talks to the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, and the problem with Laodicea is they're lukewarm. They've grown lukewarm, but the problem with Laodicea is Laodicea doesn't see that it's Laodicea. The problem with being lukewarm is you don't notice you're lukewarm. You're getting further from God, but you don't even really see it. And this is the gospel of the American culture. Follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Don't concern yourself with who you're stepping on and whose life you're ruining. You gotta be true to you. That has so infected the church. It's, it's really, it it's must be so grievous to the Lord. 
That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is not follow your heart or follow your feelings. The message of the Bible is follow Jesus Christ. King Solomon has has figured out the hard way that, that entertainment couldn't provide him with joy. He figured out that excessive work, okay, couldn't bring him satisfaction. Excessive accomplishment couldn't bring him satisfaction. He's figured out that stuff couldn't bring him security. But remember we said earlier in our studies on Ecclesiastes, God is using the emptiness of this world to what? To drive us to Jesus. To drive us to the Lord. When 60 Minutes interviewed Tom Brady after winning his third Super Bowl, they said to the guy with the rings, they said to the guy with all the money, they said to the guy with the supermodel wife, what do you think about all this? And you know what his answer was? There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. See, Tom Brady knows that something is missing. Do you ever ask yourself, why are people so unhappy? The rest of the world comes here to America and they're like, you got it all. They're like, you know, oh, could we get some peanut butter because it lasts a long time? And you're like, you know, here. And you, you take them to the peanut butter aisle in the supermarket. It's just like, it's, it's, it's stressful to pick a brand. The Bible teaches the reason we're so unhappy is we seek substitute saviors. And when we seek substitute saviors, we'll always end up empty and miserable. It may not be in the short term. C.S. Lewis said this, we are far too easily pleased. Very profound. What does he mean? We're far too easily pleased with things that can't satisfy. We're far too easily pleased with things that are right in front of us that are easy to grab instead of making the time and the effort to follow after God to make meaningful friendships. Just talk to someone who's a hedonist and corner them. I'm not talking about just a surfacey conversation because they'll tell you, oh, it's all good, I get what I want, I'm fine, whatever. Corner them and they will tell you how empty it all really is. And then go to the other side. Corner the moralist who thinks they're better than everybody else because they're so moral. But corner them and they'll tell you, yeah, I do feel like I'm cheated because I haven't gotten to experience what everybody else in this world has. I think a lot of people think God is just like, yeah, okay, now become a Christian and I'm gonna make your life miserable. Miserable! <laughs> like, you're kidding. Not at all what God wants to do in our lives. I love what the psalmist said, Psalm 119.37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. What's he saying? Give me life. Give me life. I'm looking at worthless things Give me life. Matthew 22, a a successful man approached Jesus with an important question. Says this, verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, I think that Jesus is telling us a lot more than just how to live. 
I think he's also telling us this is the way the grand designer designed us. He designed us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourself as the way to find all joy under the sun. This side of heaven. But King Solomon loved himself way more than he loved his neighbors. It was all about him. Notice how many times he said, I, I, I. Everything was for himself. And that's our culture. And as we just said, it has really infected the church. When it's all about you, do you realize this, loved ones? That it changes the way you read the Bible. You could sit down and read the Bible every day of the year. But honestly, if you are an American before you're a Christian, you're wasting your time unless God saves you in the process. Because you cannot be an American first. You have to be a Christian who happens to live in America. And it will so skew your Bible reading because you'll think it's all about you and Jesus. And that's all it is. Okay, and you say, I'm doing all right in the first commandment, but I can't stand people. And Jesus says, you're doing terrible at the first commandment, terrible. Because if you love God, you'll love people. God designed us to care about people. Messy, heartbreaking, stab you in the back, people. God wants us to love people so he can love people through us. And this is where every church and every Christian has to improve, not just our friends. Most people just love their friends. Most Christians just spend their time with their friends, not seeking out people who are very different than them and glorying in the differences and glorying in the fact that we may be different, but we are going to spend eternity together because of what Jesus has done. I've heard it said before, well said, that if you're not discipling someone, that if you don't have someone in your life that you're pulling along with you, don't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Don't. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus pulled people along with him and people very different than him. Just read the gospels. What were the apostles like? Just like us. Complaining, messy, arrogant, competitive, dumb, petty, People walking around with God, walking around with God because God was pulling them into his world. They were not pulling Jesus into their world. And it's important to see until we see and experience Jesus as forgiving, we will not be forgiving. Until we see and experience Jesus as loving, we will not be loving. Until we see and experience Jesus as patient, we will not be patient until we see Jesus reaching out to all kinds of people very different than he was, we won't do it. We won't do it. We'll just be this, you know, you know, the frozen chosen. Like, we don't care about the people in the world. Well, God did. We'll be struggling. And if you're struggling with that, come to the foot of the cross. Bring that and say, God, please help me. King Solomon learned that attempting to find ultimate satisfaction in anything apart from God is grasping for the wind. Please, friend, 
see it, but don't excuse it. As Americans, there are lots of things that sell us on temporary satisfaction. Temporary satisfaction is just a click away for us. But pleasure apart from God realizes that that's just a false advertisement. It's just false advertisement. It cannot deliver the love of God. It cannot help you love God and people more. It will only deliver to its buyers eternal death, eternal dissatisfaction. That's why the Lord says this, Isaiah 55. He says, ho, yo, listen. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why? It's free. Is it costly? Very costly. It costs Jesus Christ his blood. It cost him his life. Isaiah 55, 2, why do you sp- the Lord says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what, is not satis- what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. But since the beginning of time, all men and women have failed miserably at this. So in his great love, God sent Jesus to rescue us. God sent Jesus to rescue us from the constant chasing after the wind. God sent Jesus, the selfless lover of God and people. Don't get me wrong. Jesus had to live a very tempting life, but the Bible says he was without sin. He was tempted to abuse the crown just like King Solomon did. But instead, Jesus chose the cross instead of the crown. Jesus was tempted. He could have, like Solomon, taken everything he wanted, but Jesus chose instead to give. He gave his life as he bowed to the will of the Father so all who would put their trust in him could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. King Jesus picked up his cross and he tells us to do so as well because it is the way to true pleasure It is the way to true joy. It is the way to eternal life. And so how does that start? That starts by coming to the king on the cross, laying down your sin, asking for the forgiveness of sins, and putting your trust in him. I love the way King David put it in Psalm 1611, Solomon's father. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. You see, Solomon sought the fullness of joy in his own presence. He sought it in himself. That's what our culture is teaching us to do. But David says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The good news of the gospel is, you can enter into the presence of a holy God if you're willing to put your trust in his son. So let me ask you, what happens when you get everything you want. I think that depends. It depends on what you want. Do you want everything that this world has to offer? Solomon just told us what you can expect, vanity, waste of time. Or do you want everything that the kingdom of God has for you? Do you want the emptiness of this passing world? Or do you want what David said, the fullness of joy? 
Do you want the temporary passing pleasures of sin that Moses turned his back on? Or do you want eternal joy? And I think it essentially comes down to this. Do you want to be king? Or are you willing to let the Lord Jesus Christ be king? That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.